0: you. Mm-hmm. Tales of the Strange and Unsettling.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 113. The Possession of Roland Doe. In the picturesque Belnor neighborhood of St. Louis, Missouri, sits a beautiful colonial-style house on Roanoke Drive that was once the home of a boy, called Roland Doe. Despite its harmless, all-American exterior—all brick with white shutters framing the windows, huge trees, and neatly manicured bushes dotting the yard—discerning eyes may see telltale signs of the turbulent seas bubbling beneath. This unassuming suburban home played stage to one of the most extraordinary horror stories turned urban legend in American history. A story that very quickly transformed this house into a landmark for the macabre, and provided the true story for The Exorcist. This story, the true story of The Exorcist, centers around an ordinary boy, and begins in the late 1940s in a suburb outside Washington, D.C., with his altogether unremarkable German-American family. The 13-year-old boy, who for anonymity's sake has come to be known as Roland Doe, was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet. Over the years, Roland had become quite close with his aunt. She was a spiritualist who taught him many things, including the use of Ouija boards, In early January 1949, shortly after Harriet's death, Roland and his family began to experience strange happenings. He and his mother heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Assuming that the source of this scratching was some sort of vermin, they contacted an exterminator. No signs of pest damage or habitation were discovered. Water dripped inexplicably from pipes and walls despite the attention of plumbers who swore that their pipes were in perfect working order. Most troubling of all among these early phenomena was that shortly after bedtime the boy's mattress would suddenly jerk back and forth between the head and footboards. It wasn't long before Roland was no longer able to sleep alone in his bedroom. Obviously disturbed by this bizarre turn of events, Roland's family sought the help of every expert they could locate. They consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and even their local Lutheran minister. But one and all, they failed to address the issue effectively. After hearing the details of their situation, their minister very quickly realized that this was above his pay grade and suggested that the family seek the assistance of the Jesuits. Upon being brought up to speed, Father E. Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February of 1949. The church granted Hughes's request. When word reached the family that the request had been accepted, the boy stopped speaking. Regardless of what the parents tried, he would not say a word. Reportedly, he remained silent for over a week before Hughes arrived at the home to begin. The moment that he arrived at the home, Roland began to mumble under his breath. He strapped the no-longer-silent boy to the mattress and began his recitations. Hughes was a soft-spoken man, and that didn't change. Even when he believed himself to be facing a real-life demon from the depths, he pressed forward with an even keel and a soothing, flat tone. The rite continued for nearly an hour. The boy's mumbling slowly got louder and louder. At its low volume, the adults around him believed it to be nonsense. But just as the priest began to recognize the strange language, Roland struck out, snapping the strap that held his left hand to the bed. In one swift motion, the boy ripped a metal spring from the mattress and slashed the priest's arm from shoulder to wrist. Shocked by the sudden jolt of pain, the priest dropped his bible and ran from the room. Later that day, he would require nearly 100 stitches, and he would never again return to the family's home. Most importantly, this departure left the exorcism unfinished. 3 days later, red scratches appeared on the boy's chest. One of the scratches formed the word Lewis. The family immediately thought of their family members in St. Louis. Knowing that Aunt Harriet once resided there, they decided that the city and their relations there would hold the salvation that they sought. In a desperate last-ditch effort to save their son, they packed up their home and headed to Missouri. A cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University, he put the family in touch with Father Walter E. Halloran and Reverend William Bowdern. After consulting with the university's president and gaining approval from the church, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on young Roland. with the help of several assistants. The men gathered at the residence at Roanoke Drive in early March of 1949. There, the exorcist witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. These were the same types of things that had happened in Maryland when the first exorcism failed. Amid these bizarre happenings, Bowdern and Halloran, according to their reports, noticed a pattern in the boy's behavior. He was calm and normal during the day, but at night, after settling in for bed, he would exhibit strange behavior, including screaming and wild outbursts. These fits seemed to alternate at random with bizarre trance-like states that would lead him to making sounds in an uncharacteristically low guttural voice. The priests also said they saw objects mysteriously flying in the boy's presence, and noted that he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuits. All of these details from the true story of The Exorcist made it into the film, but there were more that didn't. At one point during the week's long ordeal, Bowdern reportedly saw an X appear in scratches on Roland's chest, which the priest believed signified the presence of ten demons inhabiting his body. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down toward his ankle. These utterly baffling phenomena continued to happen for nearly a month. The two priests never gave up, as they continued the exorcism night after night. On the evening of March 20th, the exorcism reached a new level of danger for the priests and the boy alike. Roland urinated all over his bed, and began shouting and cursing at the priests. Now Roland's parents had had enough. Somehow aware of the danger that they were exposing their 13-year-old son to for the first time, they decided to whisk the boy away to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, for more serious treatment. You may think, oh, finally, they're going to seek medical treatment for whatever is plaguing this poor child. You would be wrong. The hospital simply, and in an amazing display of just how different the world was back in the mid-20th century, provided medical supervision while the exorcism continued. Finally, on April 18th, A miracle occurred in Roland's room at Alexian Brothers. It was the Monday after Easter, and Roland awoke with seizures. When the priest rushed into the room, they were met with a wholly different Roland, contorted face and teeth bared. He screamed at the priest that Satan would always be with him. Taken aback, but feeling spiritually strengthened by the more brazen appearance of evil, The priest responded quickly by laying holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries all over the boy's body. He twisted and screamed in his bed for minutes before slipping into what can only be described as a catatonic state. He remained that way until 10.45 p.m. When attending priests called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body, they shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Roland's soul. Seven minutes later, Roland came out of his trance and said, He's gone. The boy recounted how he had a vision of St. Michael vanquishing Satan on a great battlefield. According to Bowdern and Halloran, the strange occurrences and behavior ceased after that. And despite providing the true story of the exorcist, Roland Doe went on to live a completely normal life from that moment forward. No one would have ever known about the exorcism of Roland Doe, nor would it have become the true story of the exorcist, if not for an article in the Washington Post, which reported in August 1949 that priests had indeed performed an exorcism, but the article was scarce in detail. It didn't even give a name. The case would not make headlines again for more than two decades. In 1971... An author by the name of William Peter Blatty penned the best-selling novel, The Exorcist. Based on the unofficial diaries kept by Halloran and Bowdern, the book stayed on the bestseller list for 54 weeks, and spawned the hit movie in 1973. The movie took many liberties with its source material, turning the teenage Roland into a 12-year-old girl named Regan, The movie's story also takes place wholly in Washington, D.C., in the Georgetown area. A simple nod to the fact that Roland was hospitalized for a week in Georgetown in late February of 1949. Although the scratches, shouting, spitting, and cursing in the movie mimicked what Roland had experienced, the boy's head never turned 360 degrees like Regan's did. Similarly, Roland never vomited green matter during his many tantrums nor did he engage in some of the more salacious behaviors depicted in the film. Following the exorcism of Roland Doe, his family moved back to the East Coast. Sources say that he found a wife and started a family. He named his first son Michael, after the saint believed to have saved his soul. If Roland is still alive today, he would be in his mid-80s. William Bowdern died in 1983 after serving the Catholic Church for decades. Walter Halloran lived until 2005 when he died of cancer. He was the last surviving member of the main team that had performed the exorcism of Roland Doe. Following the St. Louis exorcism, the room in Alexian Brothers Hospital was boarded up and sealed. The entire facility was torn down later in 1978 the house where the family lived in Maryland is now an empty lot after it was abandoned in the 1960s. And while most experts have theories about the true identity of the boy in this account, only one person reportedly knows for sure. In 1993, author Thomas B. Allen wrote a book on the story of Roland Doe's exorcism called Possessed. In writing the book, which relies heavily on Halloran's detailed accounts, Alan claims to have uncovered the true identity and story of Roland Doe, but has said that he will never reveal the person's true name. We will continue that tradition here. As for the cozy house on Roanoke Drive, it sold to new owners in 2005 for $165,000. Perhaps the buyers embraced the property's legendary reputation that claims that Satan himself may have once lived in an upstairs bedroom. Regardless of your opinions on the validity of possession, or the presence of demonic forces in our world, it is vital to understand that this is a series of events that affected a 13-year-old boy for what we can only imagine was the rest of his life. Regardless of the source of this trauma, this boy went through hell for months without reprieve, and we can only celebrate the fact that he came through the other side of the darkest time in his life and hope that he found true happiness and contentment. But we are left with the question, what was at the core of this terrible situation? Could this boy have really played host to a rogue's gallery of demonic entities? Was it a simple case of acute mental illness, as simple as that could be? In the end, this case, as so many others in this vein, leaves us to ponder the nature of our reality. Leaves us to consider social influence and myth making, and that is the beauty of storytelling, even when the story is as deeply unsettling as the possession of Roland Doe.
0: Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm
1: Jordan. And now the debrief. I gotta say, I like the stretch on tales yeah rather than unsettling i
0: figured i'd go with it yeah you know, something guess. a little different
1: tales of the strange and unsettling <laughs> i like it yeah
0: i mean i gotta switch it up that way every episode doesn't sound the same
1: yeah you know yeah. people I,
0: that way people don't think we just use the same soundbite for the <laughs> yeah. transition no we do it every single time people
1: there are lots of other reused soundbites in the are. show but <laughs> but that is unique every week it is I think just last week, I,
0: I sang the end of it. You did. Yes, you did. So, um, yeah. So, I just
1: wanted to say up top, because I know I've talked a lot on our show and shows I've guested on about how, like, the the cases that I, that that we've covered that have affected me the most have been possession cases. Yeah. This one, not so much.
0: I mean, yeah. It didn't get me. I, I mean, this one, it, it has a bit of meat to it, and it yeah. went on for a while i mean that's that's yeah. the one thing i'll give it is it did go on for a while but like yeah. at the center of it really yeah it's it's not it's not overwhelming right right agreed whereas we've had some that have been overwhelming they've had lasting yes. impact like they've been hard hitting they've been emotional yep this one no really i i'm right there with you yeah agreed primarily
1: estefania and michael taylor i both yeah i struggled with the both yeah. of those i mean especially the
0: michael taylor case was yeah i mean that yeah. one that one was just like i i don't know i i couldn't help but to feel for the guy incredibly you know? brutal yeah
1: Be- yeah that story beginning to end brutal mm-hmm. um and not to discount the the torment that this boy went well, through of course, but like yeah yeah you know but like there's <laughs> I'm, I don't really have an explanation. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just in a different place right now, like, emotionally and, and that, mentally.
0: That could be it. It could be also that we're more seasoned now, and, like, yeah. these things don't really affect us as much as, like, you know, when we were yeah. first doing our earlier episodes.
1: I like to think that's not it, because that would kind of bum me out. I,
0: I agree. If I'm, like, yeah.
1: becoming jaded to human suffering. Uh,
0: it's just like, <laughs> ah, another one. He was possessed. Yeah. Had some body problems. Some... Um... Ma- maybe
1: well, maybe it's that i just covered ed kemper
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe like maybe maybe it's like my you find those episodes that are just like a little bit more brutal and again yeah. not to dismiss what this kid endured because that's yeah. some that's tough you know yeah obviously but like, there's a scale right exactly
1: yeah yeah for sure. I mean, it's, yeah,
0: he had some random words carved into his stomach and chest or, <laughs> yes. you know, that's like Disney. Oh. <laughs> Compared to Ed Kemper. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, I mean, the, I think the biggest thing to me around this is this paved the way for The Exorcist. That's true. Which is I mean, pretty damn stellar.
1: Yeah, I mean widely regarded as one of the best horror films ever right. made. Right.
0: Well, it's often regarded as one of the scariest horror films ever made.
1: Yeah, to this day. Like to the, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Like, it, I was just
1: saying before, off mic, like, I've found out that, um, that The Exorcist was the highest grossing R-rated movie in history until the 2017 it version of it. That's
0: insane. Yeah.
1: So, like, 50 years it held the record.
0: I mean, with reason, though, like in any time and i mean especially even there's been reports i mean this the the exorcist was banned in a lot of places yeah because of how gruesome it was and how like i mean that scene where she's going at it with uh with the cross with the crucifix right yeah 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 that one yeah i mean that was like that that was tough for that time period plus it is young linda blair which linda blair is fantastic and a gem Um, for sure but uh, yeah I mean for like there's so much went into this that like it was very hard to come away from as you know and just come away just naturally
1: yeah it, I mean this movie was every once in a while we have a piece of media that hits and is just a cultural phenomenon yeah like and this was one absolutely
0: absolutely it,
1: like the Catholic Church reported an insane spike in requests for exorcisms <laughs> like, after this movie yeah. Of course. That's how impactful it was that they actually saw the numbers increase. You know what I mean? I mean that's, that's how that's, many people went to see this.
0: That's business for their priests. <laughs> it's,
1: that's true. That's uh, true. Yeah. It's um. crazy, though. Like, I mean, back in the day in the 70s, like when something like this happened, it was the only thing like this happening. You, you, does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah. Now, I mean, especially. I've,
0: this, I mean, like I was, like we were yeah. talking about just off, uh, you know, off mic before, like this was the first of its kind to be. I mean, exorcisms, yeah, they've they've always been a you know thing, but not like yeah. not widely talked about, no, until this movie. You know, like yep. where like it was in the media, it was everywhere, mm-hmm. and it it pushed every envelope. This mm-hmm. movie did, yeah, yeah, for it's, sure. And I don't know, some
1: it clicked with people and people just became obsessed with it. I mean, I was talking to my mom about it when I started researching it, and she and her friends went and saw it more than a dozen times in the theater. Like, when
0: it first came out? Yeah. That would be awesome. They just kept going back. They've, of course, had showings and stuff since then, but that's not as impactful as, like... No, it's different. Yeah.
1: It's like seeing a, a a showing of... The original Star Wars movie, right? You know what I mean. That's yeah. nothing compared to being there in line when it first, no, not at all, came out, right? Yeah, I just want but to she call said out she'll... for a
0: quick second. Yeah, go ahead. Because the way that we do these, we do these episodes is we also, uh we don't, we don't record the video, but we use video back and forth so we can talk to each other and prep and everything. Yeah. But as I was watching you talk, I just watched an orb travel from one end of of the screen all the way to the next next end of the screen. No yeah no you didn't i a thousand thousand percent promise i did yeah hmm. which i don't buy into orbs and stuff like i think of them as just dust particles maybe some sure. flying assassin like insect <laughs> yeah but i mean just subject matter i'd rather it be a ghost we're talking that. about that shit like i'm just gonna throw it out there it was like it was there and it went from one side all the way to the other and it, you didn't even like bat an eye so yeah i, I don't know again maybe it's just something that went right over your camera whatever
1: I didn't notice anything. But, uh,
0: yeah, that was weird. Anyhow, yeah, back, back to what you were saying. Weird.
1: Sorry. Um, let me get back on track. Jesus, you <laughs> freaked me out. Um, my mom said that she'll always remember when this movie came out because it was all anyone talked about for six months. I bet. I mean, it was like a huge, huge thing. And we have movies now that like... Every once, every once in a while a horror movie will come out where they're like oh people are throwing up in the theaters and people are running out because they can't handle it
0: Paranormal that, like, activity, people shit. Left, and then terrifier like terrifier yeah. 2 in particular people were puking and getting sick and it, i love yeah. ter- i love the terrifier movies i'm a huge huge fan um, Did you see it?
1: Did you see it in theaters? I
0: really wish I would have. There was no showings around here. The next show, it was like 45 minutes away. Yeah. But I just didn't get a chance to actually go see it in theater.
1: I mean, I'm fairly confident the reason they had those those um, reactions was due to like the subsonic frequencies. Yeah. Using uh, way too much of those. Agreed.
0: Agreed, absolutely.
1: Um, but this movie legitimately had that shit. And that's the phenomenon that those movies are trying to recreate. And you just can't. Because now, I mean, we live in a world with the fucking internet. Like, no horror movie you're going to make is scarier than the shit that you can get with, like, five taps of your finger on your phone. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but in the 70s, these, like, small town kids were sheltered. You know what I mean? Like... Believe it or not, there was a time in America where you could make it to high school never having seen a man be beheaded. Yeah, you know,
0: like. But these, man, back in the back in the nineties, you had Faces of the Death. You had all those right, those movies that were out that we somehow ended up seeing. Seeing, yeah, I, which yeah. sounds terrible. It does, but like I feel like you know, it's that's one of those things that's kind of shaped my Same. my horror obsession currently <laughs> going. Yeah, up.
1: I mean, it. But they didn't have that in the '70s, so you legitimately yeah. had people reacting to these insane, disgusting scenes in this movie. Yeah, and it was honest reactions. It wasn't fucking tricks with the sound. It wasn't, and it wasn't blown out of proportion. You know what I mean? Like it, that shit really happened. Yeah, the movie had a massive impact.
0: There was, uh, I was reading reading an article that uh, was about the earlier screenings of The Exorcist. A lot of theaters were giving quote-unquote bags," upon yeah. entry because yeah. it was affecting people so much um uh, which is <laughs> i think it's awesome but
1: yeah i mean it's it's super cool it's horror history you know what i mean yeah like yeah it's this and movie was a huge a lot of people believe thing.
0: that it was cursed too yep that's another yep. another big there's thing, a whole right? rumor right yeah
1: that like people involved in the making of the movie died mysterious deaths and all yep. that shit. Yeah. It's, there, there's layers to this shit, for sure. You want to talk about Roland Doe? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe got, stop talking about yeah. the
0: exorcist for a <laughs> minute.
1: <laughs> um, one of the things that immediately caught my attention was the fact that all this happened while he was... He had been mourning the death of his aunt, right? Yeah. And, um, and he tried to contact her using the Ouija board that she had bought him, right? And that's pretty much when the shit started very similar to with Estefania.
0: i mean yeah you know and happened to let something in and right that's the idea let it into herself right yeah
1: because she and her friends were trying to use a ouija board to contact a friend that had died yeah in a car accident and yeah very similar
0: which i mean a lot of these types of cases start based off of something like that yeah whether it was a séance, it was just an attempt of, just, mindless contact or use of a Ouija board gone wrong. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you name you name the scenario, something's happened because of it, right? Uh, yeah. Some would say at least. Um, For sure.
1: I mean, the the
0: thing is, the tie
1: with the aunt, I think, is really crucial. Yeah. Because she was like a full blown spiritualist in the '40s, so she would like she lived in St. Louis but she would travel up to DC where Roland lived with his parents. Um his mom was her sister. She would travel to DC and she would host séances in their basement.
0: I mean that's bad right there. Like I mean that like that I mean, I'm not saying that's that's bad. I mean séances are are cool. They're fun, whatever. Right. Um but I mean like yeah that you got to you got to kind of expect something. It's like opening that door and leaving it constantly open, just like leaving sure. it softly ajar if you will. Yeah. Um lightly ajar, whatever. Yeah. Um softly. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like you know, not fully closing it all the way. And then she's like teaching him how to use a ouija board and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's
1: like um so she had clients in the DC area basically and she would she would go and stay there and do it in their basement and he would like there were stories about him like that they told the priests that he would he got caught several times having like snuck down to the basement stairs to watch these seances and stuff (laughs) yeah for sure right um and he he ended up getting really close with his aunt they became like pen pals for the last two years of her life she was back in st louis he was in dc and they would write Letters like every week, and back this and was forth. still
0: when he was like around thirteen or so. Uh, he would have been like, yeah, like, like
1: eleven to thirteen. Okay, yeah. So they got super that's, tight. Yeah, and that's crazy. She like taught him how to use the Ouija board mm-hmm. after he expressed an interest in what she was doing in their basement, right? But he, so when he took that, he took the loss of her really, really hard. Like he became like despondent and couldn't eat, and he would would have wake up screaming from nightmares like more nights than not while he like after she died
0: someone that like pivotal in your development i would say you know like and and having that um that bond obviously that they shared you know i'm you know he he had to have had some you know some at least like interest in the subject matter right yeah, and she's like teaching him how to basically how to how to do it, how to use it, how to you know yeah, whatever. So yeah, I mean I could see especially that being such a a hard thing for him to kind of overcome.
1: Yeah, at such a at such a formative age, to yeah. thirteen years for old sure. to lose that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, I had uncles growing up that felt sort of like uh, that felt sort of like mentors. You know what I mean? That like. Yeah, that I looked up to, and I mean, and all that.
0: the year one, one of your uncles used to hang out with us and like talk about like witchcraft and stuff with us. You know, growing up, yeah, like,
1: yeah, it absolutely. Was yeah, taught us how to lucid dream and mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. Yeah, so I can't imagine like having lost one of them at that age. You know? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah it would be rough. it's hard.
0: It's definitely hard for sure. And what st- what state?
1: could you be in more liminal than that than having lost like a a beacon in your life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like so opening him up to the phenomenon even more, you know, to be in that sort of weakened yeah, trans- transitory state. Yep. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I mean I think that's that's what it comes down to, right? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, I think w- whatever it was, I think that definitely set the stage for it mm-hmm. you know agreed so like about six months after she dies the possession starts right or the well, f- that's, the the weird shit starts. yeah like the
0: strange noises and mm-hmm. there was sounds coming fl- from the floor and the walls of his room specifically right
1: well or okay, is it so more it's, more than it that. started all over the house so the 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 first thing was dripping was the sound of dripping that is such right? a
0: terrible sound, too.
1: Yeah, it's awful. So they're hearing what sounds like a leaky pipe or a faucet that won't yeah. shut all the way off something. But the weird shit about it is that it they describe it being the same volume in every room of the
0: house. I mean, like, I feel like that's possible. When it, like, think, uh, think of the middle of the night. You have, like, just a... If you're, say, your bedroom is close to a bathroom, you have the doors open, right? And it's... Yeah, I mean I, I always sleep with the T V on or something, but say like none of that was a thing, no factors there. Yeah. Completely silent except after you're hearing this drip. That yeah. drip is gonna progressively become louder and louder and louder. Just yeah. because it's the only sound that's yeah, there. The more you, you focus on it. The more you on focus it. on it. Exactly. So yeah. I could see that being the case in each room if you were looking at it like that.
1: Yeah. That I could definitely see it. It could and this could definitely be an exaggeration of that. Yeah, of course. You know, of that concept. But the way they talked about it, like they could never figure out where to look for a leak Uh, because every room they went in, it sounded the same.
0: Like it was, like they could never,
1: yeah, they could never tell if they were getting closer or farther away from it because it always sounded the same.
0: (laughs) That would suck.
1: It's weird, right? Mm -hmm. So they call a plumber out and he inspects all their plumbing and there's nothing. Yeah, pipes are great. So after about a week, of the dripping a week man that would be awful and constant around the clock it doesn't come and go 24 hours a day for a week after that it it's accompanied by like random thumps and bumps throughout the house that it, that they can't explain so I the mean, dripping continues some could assume
0: that could be old pipes sure if they but have the, the uh, plumbing is great remember how is their how is their heat <laughs> were they using like uh oil-based uh that's a good question like whatever I, I can't think of the name of them right now but you know what i'm talking like about a, right a uh boiler yeah like something like that i mean or uh yeah yeah like the the room the room like individual like oil radiators radiators basically yeah yeah because i mean those i mean the, you can hear yeah. a drip they come like yeah. you can hear drips in them all the time that's true
1: we used to have uh, we used to live in this big Victorian that had the boiler in the basement mm-hmm. and it had the the radiator heating. Yep. And yeah, it was annoying. Yeah. It does make weird noises. Yeah,
0: they can definitely be annoying. And it makes
1: weird like bum boom boom noises yep. coming from the radiators. Yeah. So that yeah, that's so why
0: that's why I asked.
1: Could be something like that. But you have to consider the fact that they've lived in this house for years before this started. So
0: that's true that's true too, uh, you'd yeah. You'd think
1: they'd be used to it, mm-hmm. right? If it if it were the Maybe heating it's just system. a
0: really harsh winter. <laughs> like yeah,
1: maybe. But they'd hear these thumps like multiple times an hour. Yeah. On top of the dripping. So the dripping never stopped.
0: <laughs> oh my god. right
1: Yeah. So after a few days of that, the scratching starts on top of the dripping and yeah. the thumping now there's a scratching, and they assume like, as any of us would, that there are mice in the walls. Yeah, mice, right? rats,
0: whatever, rodents. Yeah.
1: Um, especially especially hire old an You can even
0: get birds in the walls, like, you know. That's true. You have yep. like a chimney or whatever else. Yeah. Yep, that's true.
1: Um, but they hire an exterminator, and he inspects the house and finds no, no hint of rodents or anything. Hmm. Which is odd to me. Yeah. I, an exterminator pretty much always finds something to charge you for
0: i mean oh, you know what i mean
1: <laughs> yeah always but same deal as the plumber basically he finds nothing um so at this point they have dripping thumping and scratching going on all at the same time like did they have a cat <laughs> you'd go crazy dude that would drive me yeah insane. absolutely absolutely like i would move out of that
0: house because I mean, those are just like a lot of sounds you can you can chalk up old house You know, like how settling stuff like that, right? Sure. But just repetitive, nonstop, constant. These types of sounds that are just almost like—I mean, I could see like it driving you mad.
1: Yeah. It's gnawing. Yeah. Like, God, just like drip, 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 drip. It's like the heart
0: the Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) which if you haven't listened to our telling of the telltale heart, definitely go back to last October. I think personally I'll toot my own horn. I think it's the best reading I've ever done. It's a phenomenal story for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It is. I, yeah, I love that. So go listen to it for sure. Um, so a week or so after the exterminator visits, items begin to just launch across the room on their own. That's fine. So yeah now we get into (laughs) poltergeist shit okay they talk about like vases scissors pins pictures on the wall like shit just launches maybe
0: the house is settling yeah maybe (laughs) just (laughs) just like rapid you know rapid degrees of angles like here and there so yeah it's causing things to fall or throw themselves
1: definitely at one point they describe a thing that again reminded me of Estefania's possession um, a portrait of Jesus would rattle on the wall and shake like shake inside the glass so like the picture is shaking inside the frame yeah Any anytime Roland was in the room so whenever as soon as he would walk in it would start rattling
0: maybe he was and trying to speak to him
1: my child <laughs> maybe exactly
0: you have the Satan in you
1: eventually um eventually there was like a little argument between roland and his dad like they just had words okay you know like some words right 13 year old boys and their dads do yeah. um, of course. and during the argument the picture flew off the wall and shattered the glass inside the frame all that well that's rude which sort of reminded me of the the crucifix in the Estefania story remember where it like flies off the wall and it gets embedded in the drywall yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah i mean that's man that's tough
1: um um after after dealing with this for a few days furniture starts sliding across the floor
0: which that i mean yeah i can i mean you can there's no way you could kind of just rationalize items being thrown across the room yeah. But I mean, once you have like legit furniture moving around, yeah, something's going on.
1: Yeah. It's the f- that first priest who comes, he described the the wood floors in their house wa- were covered in scratches from furniture sliding on the floor. Jesus. Yeah. That's how much this was happening.
0: He obviously wasn't helping in this case.
1: Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so they deal with the furniture shit for about a week. And then one day it just stops. Everything stops. The dripping stops. The shit moving around stops. Imagine that moment when the dripping stops.
0: Like So, yeah, I mean, I think at some point you're going to get used to it. And then once it stops, it's going to be like, where's it at? See, when I imagine
1: re- it being like, ugh.
0: Like that like, sigh of relief, finally. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a possibility you could get used to you know just as anything it becomes daily routine right yeah and then once true. that stops then it's going to be a little out of the ordinary
1: right it's like if you're slowly boiling a frog and you get about halfway up in temperature and then you take it out of the water it's going to be like it's pretty chilly i miss that
0: warm <laughs> you try to let it go outside yeah <laughs> it's for uh, a froggy bathroom break far. it's true oh man uh, that's a that's terrible but when it all you're stops they're It's a classic metaphor, Ryan. I was kidding. I was
1: kidding. (laughs) Boiled frogs.
0: There's an Alexis on Fire song called Boiled Frogs. It's one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, it's based on the classic metaphor, Ryan. (laughs) All right. So when everything stops, they're like, they're like, fuck yeah, it's over. Yeah, like great success, right? And then they realize that night when Roland goes to bed. That the phenomenon has basically just shifted to his bedroom. So it's no longer in the entire house. It's just in his bedroom. Yeah. That night they hear they hear like a huge crash and they run in to check on him. And the mother comes in to see his bed shaking violently.
0: Yeah, right. Now he's back is and the forth, target. up and
1: down. Yeah. The bed is like slamming against the floor. That's how, how much it's shaking. Mm. And <clears throat> and she Notices, and she notes this in a letter that she writes to to one of the priests later. That as soon as she would, like, she would be standing in the hallway, yeah, and couldn't hear the dripping, the scratching, the thumping, nothing. And as soon as she would step over the threshold, it's there. Hmm. So you could hear it inside, the- even with the door open. You can't hear anything until you're in the room. Until you're and actually in, yeah, 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 which is pretty fucking. High strange
0: i mean yeah I, that's yeah for everything to be central to that one location yeah and as yeah not even being able to hear it outside of the doorway like that's that's pretty weird
1: yeah that's very strange um so they end up taking roland to doctors and psychiatrists and all this um who basically all agreed that he was healthy but very stressed right which I totally understand. That
0: doesn't account for all the other stuff that's going on, though.
1: No, that's what they're. That's what they're. I'm <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> all this stuffs happening, You're like, how about we take you to the doctor?
1: Yeah, I mean, other than this one night, I'm not sure why they decided that he was the epicenter of the the phenomenon. Yeah, you know what I mean, like because he was sad. I guess maybe I don't. I mean, I don't know exactly why they thought that. These
0: demonic forces feed on your sadness and your weaknesses you think so maybe they knew that
1: maybe i mean the the parents <laughs> did dabble in spiritualist stuff with the aunt, yeah. so maybe yeah. they had some conception of what was happening and
0: ran with it also what's crazy about this is this is the 40s yep which like you don't really think about that that like that far back i mean you know like most of this stuff is more modern right the you mean like the us. spiritualism I mean, stuff? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's been, there's been like seances and stuff, whatever, like, for a long, long time, but, like, I don't know, I mean, I think of, like, these possession cases as, you don't hear of a More lot modern. of, like, really old ones, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. The, I mean, the spiritualist stuff that, that the aunt and the parents, to a lesser degree, were into, that, the 40s were kind of a boom, for that stuff because like in the the at the turn of the century you had like Madame Blavatsky and all those yeah, people who made fair. spiritualism yeah. this huge thing it became like a pastime to do seances with like you and the gals will get together and have a seance every Saturday night you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it it hit another boom in the 30s and 40s
0: girls um, night
1: especially in like the DC then on yeah. the East Coast that that area was yeah, that's, really that's big fair. in it that's fair yeah but you're right a lot of a lot of possession cases are more modern for sure i think that's that's because documentation was better yeah in more modern times you know what i mean that might be i'm so. sure there were the I mean, catholic church has been doing exorcisms oh for yeah of course centuries you know yeah
0: i mean they they wanted to stop doing exorcisms back in what the 70s the 80s and yeah, what yeah. They, they wanted to put a chill whole on thing. it, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. That's true. Okay. But okay, so the doctors and psychiatrists don't help at all, right? Obviously. Um, and then the boy starts getting random cuts on his skin, just like forming out of nowhere. And um, unlike our Friday Night Fright last week, it had nothing to do with stick <laughs> with a random murder victim,
0: a ghost whisperer. <laughs>
1: And this story makes more sense than that story, I promise. Yeah. Oh
0: of course. Um,
1: but um the notable one, the one that everyone always talks about is the word Lewis is carved into his arm. And that's where point. they
0: tie in possibly Saint Louis, right? Right.
1: So when it happens they think about their you know, the fact that the ant lived in Saint Louis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so it seemed like a relevant piece yeah. of information. Cause I, and a lot of people who cover this they're like and the word Lewis was carved into him and they thought like let's go to St. Louis like they never talk about it actually does sort of make sense that they're I mean, like yeah
0: I can I can the see the reason yeah the reason for thinking so because yeah.
1: they relate the, all this phenomenon with her because it happened you know at once he was reacting to her death yeah right they they connect those things from the very beginning um smart But the mom freaks out she doesn't know what to do she starts like she starts to think this is like where she first really starts to think something paranormal is going on which is crazy this is but she says like this is where it really dawned on me like it might have something to do with the par with something paranormal and i'm like shit's flying around your house furniture is sliding across the floor
0: there's a whole room that uh just has all this activity going on But this is the first time you really think something's starting to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeez. So her reaction to this, once she convinces herself that it's paranormal, she breaks out the Ouija board and does a session to try to talk to her sister. Um, Smart, because she's like she knows more about it than I do. If I can get advice from her, like that might be helpful, right? And if you're a person who believes that you can do that, then
0: yeah, I see. I see that logic. Yeah. For sure,
1: um, from the session, she doesn't really get any answers other than being convinced that it's definitely paranormal. Like, yeah, whoever she contacts to her confirms that it's paranormal. Right? Um, a chair does get thrown across the room from the like. At one point, she's like, "Prove that you're really here or that you're, you know, whatever." And Is this it throws a chair across the room. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it was some like Maybe one rickety more time, if you will. I'm sure it was some like rickety, you know, wooden chair, but I like to imagine it was like a full blown lazy boy recliner <laughs> just like launched
0: <laughs> across the room. Yeah. Uh There's something also, that weighs the, like so much. Yeah. It
1: was just like one of those like three hundred pound ones with the motor underneath it. Oh. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Um also, the next morning, the boy wakes up with long, like burning welts on his legs. After the after the Ouija board session,
0: checks out. Um,
1: so, since the doctors didn't help, and now she's convinced that it's paranormal, she goes to their pastor for advice—a Lutheran pastor. Okay. Um, hey, just, he comes to the house. That's and, pretty
0: sound, like yeah, sure,
1: yeah. Um, he comes to the house and he prays with the family which is basically all you're going to get from a Lutheran pastor. Of course. Right. Um, but he's standing there and he watches a cut appear on the boy's arm. Like he's an actual witness to this happening. That would be pretty, basically crazy. Yeah. And his response is basically like, no way. That's not my shit. (laughs) And sends them to the Catholics. (laughs) I'm
0: out. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My job here is done. Exactly.
1: So he sends them to the local Catholic church right to for a consultation yeah and the first catholic priest believes it's a possession case immediately like goes straight for it he gets permission and starts within a day of them contacting him right i don't know if this guy was just really fucking stoked to do a an exorcism it might be or, like his
0: first one he's, he's like finally yeah
1: he's like i just got my exercising license i've been
0: preparing <laughs> 13 years for this moment right
1: um but he got a, a rude awakening, because like he gets there, he straps the boy to the bed, he starts praying over him, whatever, going through the rites, and the boy rips a fucking bedspring out of the mattress and slashes his arm from shoulder to wrist.
0: Yeah, that's pretty gnarly.
1: Like, later he gets a hundred stitches in his arm. Like, yeah. And he never comes back. <laughs> So, I don't care how hyped he was, apparently he was only prepared for a spiritual battle.
0: (laughs) He's like, too real, too real. Who would have thought things were going to get so
1: bad? Christ. So after he bails on them, the dad, by the way, is convinced the whole time that it's the house. The house is haunted. Like, some, some entity attached to the house. Right. And they just need to get the fuck out of the house. So after the... After the Catholic priest bails on them, the mom is finally like, okay, we'll try yours. We'll just, we'll leave.
0: And as we've learned and, from most cases like this, that's not the case. Yeah.
1: Attachments, right? Yes. Um. So, uh, <clears throat> despite what lots of people who cover this case say, they don't move to St. Louis because of the scratched Louis in the boy they moved to St. Louis because they've decided to, to try the dad's approach, and that's the only place that they have family. So they moved to St. Louis where her family lives, so they can. Because when you move to a new city, you, you need someone to like, you know, usher that in. Unless you're really set up and you can just buy a house before well, yeah, you go, and of course. you know what I mean. A lot of people, they. When you move to a new city, you move in with someone and then
0: right that way until you can get on your feet.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what happens. They go to St. Louis Mm -hmm. um, and they stay with her cousin for a bit and then they get a house um, and nothing changed in the new house. All the shit stayed the same. Yeah. Like dealing with the same shit. Even the boy's bedroom has the fucking noises. A brand new bedroom has the noises yeah
0: see that's that's not right
1: yeah it's crazy
0: don't put that evil on me so when it when it has
1: clearly followed them then they try the Catholics again they reach out to a local parish and that's when they get um, fathers Bowdern and Halloran Um, and these are the guys who we get a lot of this from because they're not convinced at first Based on the conversation on the interview that he's possessed, so they decide to just come and pray over the family, pray, bless the house, all that, and to get a closer look at what's going on, right? To decide, yeah, um, they like circle up around Roland and start praying, and he freaks out. He starts screaming that his chest hurts. They unbutton his shirt and stand there and watch as flesh wounds open up on his chest like
0: right Mm -mm. in front of
1: them and they basically flip shit they're like holy fuck i think it's real (laughs)
0: like i would say that's probably a dead giveaway yeah probably
1: (laughs) uh but like even later um when they get a third a third guy on the team yeah basically um father bishop he's like a newer a newer priest And they mostly use him just to hold the boy down um, while they're praying over him and shit. Yeah, but like he says in his notes, like I couldn't, like I couldn't believe it was the real deal. Like you hear about things like this all the time, but they never actually happen.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's what he writes in the. I mean, like ninety percent of of these, or maybe even more of these exorcism cases. You know, back. I mean, I don't know about this particular period of time, but like over the years 90 percent are not real possession cases yeah
1: yeah that number may even be higher
0: than that but yeah it was uh you know it's very few that are actually real or yeah or believed to be real by the church right
1: yeah yeah
0: so yeah a lot Um, of a lot of a lot of people are just like yeah you know basically just go give them you know give them this like that bit of whatever and you're done like you know don't waste time
1: Go give them a blessing. Go give them mm-hmm. a little spiritual placebo. Help them along. Yeah. 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 And that helps a lot of people. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's weird talking about exorcisms, and we I think we've discussed this before, but like, there is a, sometimes even when it's a mental health crisis, if that person is convinced that, that an exorcism is what they need, sometimes an exorcism really does help them.
0: Right. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I
1: mean? Like it provides real material help for them to get through this mental health crisis. True, if they're getting the treatment that they think they're in need of, yeah. you know, yeah. Um. So the priests meet up the next day, and they're like, "Yeah, this is legit," and they they get the exorcism approved pretty quickly. But because this is the second parish to request an exorcism on the same boy they give them a condition. They insist that the priests keep daily logs for everything that goes on and send them to the archdiocese. Which, why the fuck is that not a requirement from the jump? I mean, yeah. I I agree. (laughs) You know what I mean? I agree. Like, it's odd that it wouldn't mm be.
0: I mean, every case should definitely be documented. Yeah. Like, granted, yeah, they're not going to have a whole lot of time because the majority of their time, their hands are going to be full, right? But... Sure. even just a written report on it after after the fact like yeah police style something right it's like, pretty in-depth at least
1: yeah like that's a thing i didn't realize until i was listening to small town dicks which is a a podcast with uh what's her face who does lisa simpson's voice oh yeah um she does a a true crime podcast where it's like small town true crime and it, there are two detectives whatever they tell it from like the perspective of the police who investigate the cases
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but i never realized when you hear about all these like really long investigations you know like police are investigating a case for like two years yeah every day they have hours of reports that they have to fill out about whatever they did for that case i'm
0: not surprised like i know a lot of it you hear a lot of it is paperwork more than anything
1: right yeah yeah that makes sense so i would expect a similar approach to documentation <laughs> yeah if you're possessed if you're exercising a demon Church,
0: i mean you know like right. to have even yeah. in the archives or whatever else like
1: yeah they love paperwork yeah and and shredders as we <laughs> learned in a recent episode they definitely love covering shit up um but from here we get like legitimate excerpts from their their own documentation yeah that's like where most of the story comes from so
0: here's where it kind of like just really picks up though right so
1: yes yeah this is where shit gets crazy so like day one they pray over him and he freaks out it's like this becomes the standard reaction while they're while they're praying over him he's like writhing and screaming and cursing at them um the they have the dad hold him down because he's flipping out yeah. right and in the journal the quote is the boy's blows were beyond that of his age so they're like saying he had this like strength that didn't make sense mm. right mm-hmm. yeah cause he's like flailing out and he's punching and kicking yeah. and yeah um, <clears throat> day two he sleeps through the whole thing like he pretends they're not even there
0: I mean that's pretty good
1: yeah, um, then day three, the parents hold him down while they pray. Four hours in to praying over him, which let's let's like just take our hats off for a moment in respect for these fucking dudes who will stand over someone and pray I mean, continuously the, for four I was gonna hours. I going to say the
0: part part of it is the non-stop like no no yeah. other thing. It's just non-stop prayer.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot so four hours in he acts he tells them like I don't feel good I feel like I'm gonna throw up and he asks them to open the window right then at 2am that night after the priests leave he starts screaming again like freaks out they call him back and the priests he like screams and curses whatever standard shit for yeah. him for a few hours he goes on, freaking out, until he passes out at, like, 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Dave, <clears throat> day four is a pivotal moment. Yeah. <clears throat> so he goes crazy. I mean, crazy the whole time, right? He's screaming. It's louder. They start hearing, like, describing, like, multiple voices coming out of him. Like, overlapping multiple yeah. voices coming out.
0: Of and... In. Which that that to me is like probably one of the most terrifying things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's like otherworldly scary. Yeah.
0: Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The mom freaks out at this.
0: As she and, should. Uh, yeah. And
1: uh, Bowdern suggests that they move him to Alexian Brothers Hospital where they can continue the rites without the mom having to watch because she freaks out so much. Now, it's important to note that Alexian Brothers Hospital is not a normal hospital. It's like a super old establishment that's run by an order of Catholic monks.
0: Huh, okay. Like, that it is technically a
1: hospital. But, you know, there are Catholic hospitals all right. over the place, right? Like, that's a thing. But isn't he
0: mainly sent there just so they can basically observe him? Yeah. And that's that's yeah. it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. they don't really provide medical treatment right. or anything. They just give them a safe room to do it in okay. basically. And they like that way, if anything goes terribly wrong, if shit goes sideways, they're in a hospital. Yeah, You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's a good idea. It just blew my mind. Cause I was, when I first read that, I'm like, fucking finally, they're going to take this poor kid to a hospital. Like, cause he's freaking out every day. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, somebody needs
0: to be like dressing his wounds and yep yep all that stuff too right
1: yeah so when they arrive at alexian brothers they put him in like an open bay on the ground floor and his behavior quickly becomes too crazy okay they end up moving him to a private room on a private floor above the psychiatric ward and at this point they have a three-man team they add father bishop Right, who, like I said, mostly just holds him down while they pray over him. Yeah. Um So on the first day in the hospital, Halloran places a vial of holy water on a table across the room. And at one point it launches itself into the wall and shatters. Oh nice. That's documented in their in their journal. <laughs> um and this is where Father Bishop said after he saw that, he said, That's how I knew we were dealing with the real deal. You read about these things, but they never really happen. Yeah. And yeah,
0: okay. Which, yeah, which is
1: uh, an interesting sentiment from a Catholic priest. I mean, yeah. To like,
0: you know, again, that could be the first real right exorcism, you know, that he's ever seen. Which, right? But like, he,
1: I don't know. I think it seems weird to me because their whole profession is predicated on the idea that like miracles are real. Magic is real. You know what I mean? Like, they profess to be conduits between human beings and create and the creator of human beings. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. So it's strange to hear him go like, "I didn't know the shit was real." <laughs>
0: like, who would have thought? Right. Which I I also get that too. You know, it's
1: yeah, like it, it makes sense. There is a different feeling when you have a belief confirmed. Well, yeah. You know what i mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if it's something that you don't want to be true, but it is. Yeah. yeah. And that's the worst. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, so over this time period, this first like couple weeks at Alexian Brothers, there's lots of screaming and cursing at priests. At one point, he tells Halloran, your mommy says hi from the depths of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang. Yeah. Um, but this screaming and shit, it would go on for hours, and then he would just go catatonic. Like, it was alternating states back and forth. Either he was freaking out, or he was completely unresponsive. Yeah.
0: Kind of just one or the other.
1: Yeah. And it just gets worse and worse. Like, he's getting more violent, screaming louder, shit is flying around the room more frequently. And at one <clears throat> at one point, the boy says that, that the priest is hurting him while he's holding him down right he's like stop you're hurting me and the priest loosens up and the boy
0: instantly punches him
1: in the face and breaks (laughs)
0: his nose Like i mean you've got to know that yeah it's probably not him that's saying that he's being you know that's being hurt or whatever yeah like you're dealing with this like demon or whatever you know whatever you want to refer to it as and then all of a sudden it's like oh you're hurting me but seconds yeah. ago i was cursing you and speaking in tongues <laughs> yeah. and you know whatever else yeah, yeah i mean i'd be like mm, i don't think so bud. <laughs> <man." laughs> right
1: um so despite the fact that everything seems to be getting worse all the time they keep going right yeah they just keep at it they're like the only way past it is through it so they just keep plowing ahead um on day 18, the boy asks for a pen and paper, and he writes on the paper, which, the to his credit, Halloran put the actual piece of paper in the journal that he turned in to the Archdiocese. And it says, I am the devil himself, and within ten days I will give you a sign. Huh. That, yeah. So, after he writes it, he puts the pen down, lays back in his bed, and starts screaming... And they watch a giant X carve into his chest. Right. Yeah. And uh, after seeing this fucking insane scene, Bowdern's response is that they should baptize him.
0: <laughs> That's his idea. I mean, at that <laughs> point, they're grasping for straws, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Um, the next day, they perform the baptism, and the boy calms down for about 10 minutes. And then he goes right back to the screaming and flailing. Just like, you know, just like normal. This goes on pretty consistently for eight more days. He's just freaking out while they pray over him. Shit's flying around the room. Random injuries popping up. Then, on day 27... Day 27... um, During prayers, more letters appear scratched into his chest. So, using the already existing and scabbed over Mm. X on his chest the word exit the word exit appears on his chest so e on one side of the scar and it after it now his chest says exit and the priests are convinced that this is now the devil speaking through roland's body okay like this is like direct communication with the devil not a demon the devil right yeah um as that day is wrapping up, Roland says in like a creepy low voice as they're leaving the room. He says, "You need to say one more word, but you never say it." And they had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't they didn't understand. Later, they're eating dinner together and they check out their little exorcism guide, whatever they, I know there's like a... I forget what the book is called, but it's like a the Catholic Church's Guide to Exorcism, the, the basically. The
0: Guide to Exorcisms. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but
1: while they're looking over it, they realize that, this, that the entire time they've been doing the exorcism, that Father Bowdern had been skipping over the word Lord in his recitations. Huh. Yeah, just the word Lord. Like, they couldn't explain why he was skipping it. They couldn't explain why they had never noticed yeah. before that he was skipping it and they felt like this was confirmation that you know an entity was inside this kid with a greater knowledge of the process than roland could could have you know what i mean of course um and then which i thought that was pretty crazy to just realize like oh i've been doing this wrong and it's like not only why have i been doing it wrong but why did we not notice until he said that you know what i mean
0: that's a good question
1: yeah it's pretty weird i i would say that's more high strangeness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like little tiny micro doses of missing time. It's
0: also just kind of nitpicking. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. But I imagine it's pretty fucking specific you're what you're supposed to be right. praying over this kid.
0: <laughs> it's like you missed a spot. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, uh, you didn't say the magic words. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Um,
1: so, day 28 the final day okay they arrive at night they they usually do these at night to keep you know because he's usually catatonic when they're not there yeah and when they start praying that's when he starts freaking out so they do most of this work at night to prevent like the hospital from being you know crowded with people and they're fucking there's a kid screaming like he's on fire oh, yeah of course in this room you know what I mean um So they arrive at night and they realize that something, something is different right away. They see lights flickering all over the floor that the kid is on from the parking lot. Like all the lights are flickering. Yeah. They get up there and the nurse is crying when they arrive. And she's saying like, things are so much worse. Like I just go in there. You'll see like things have gotten so much worse. As soon as they walk in the room, Roland starts cursing at them in Latin, which is a big thing. Like this is the first time he'd spoken in another language. And this is one of the primary signs that the church looks for when they're deciding whether someone is possessed or not right. the use yeah. of old languages. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Especially for, um, and I mean, in a lot of cases they'll check for like if they've ever came in contact with this or that or whatever, might even yeah. have heard something slightly in passing that, you know, it could be like unconsciously back there or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and like, goes into, like, super priest mode, right? Um, <laughs> and he commands the demon to prove itself. When he does this, and this is in his journal, I don't know. Okay. Everything is weird, right? In the story. Yeah. Like, none of, none of it makes sense in, like, the material scientific world, right? So, I'm not going to, this for some reason seems way crazier. I don't know. So he commands the demon to prove itself. And the boy reaches out and touches his vestment, which is like the sash that they wear around the back of their neck. And it's draped down the front of their, their priest garb, right? He reaches out and touches it and it explodes into separate fibers. Oh, nice. So it literally just like comes unbuilt. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it just like
0: just into a pile of scraps.
1: Yeah, it's not even like scraps it's like it separates all the threads that make that's, up the, the nice. vestment yeah it's very strange very strange this honestly this is like this and the forgetting the word and the shit with the boys bedroom like these are all reasons why I think this is my favorite possess- possession case ever yeah <laughs> cause it's like cause it's high straight. it's high strangeness
0: oh it is it, it is really thought, is yeah, like
1: for sure like this is shit that doesn't even make sense to the priests who think they know what they they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Um, so the priests go into you know overdrive. They're praying. Yeah. They're like, "This is it." The boy freaks out, screaming, cursing, writhing, all that stuff. He rips a spring out of the mattress again and tries the old stab the priest with the bed spring trick. You'll stab again, and it yeah, and it, it doesn't work this time. Bowdern's like. Slaps it out of his hand. He's like, not today, bitch. Um, And after five hours of praying over him this night, he begins, the boy begins to lift several inches off the bed and drop back down violently. So like whole body off the bed, slam back down into the mattress over and over again. He does this for two hours. Good Lord. Two hours while they're praying over him seven at now seven hours in the boy settles he stops screaming stops cursing no more levitation none of that shit and he opens his eyes and he tells them that he's had a vision where he saw saint michael chase the devil away with a flaming sword okay and then the boy and then the boy falls asleep and that's the final night of it he slowly comes out of it he goes back... He slowly goes back to normal. Yeah. They keep him in the hospital for three weeks after Damn. this, monitoring... Yeah. That's a monitoring lot of him.
0: observation time, for sure.
1: Yeah. But...
0: Obviously, yeah obviously with through some yeah. shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. But at the end of the three weeks, they determine, like, he's fine. He seems fine. He's, like, back to a normal 13-year-old boy. Um, which is another weird thing to me, because... Say this was say this was like a mental breakdown say it was epilepsy and schizophrenia and all these things converging on this poor little kid all at once right he would not that's not a thing you snap out of and yeah and it's a it would be a highly traumatic experience to be through an exorcism to be present for one
0: yeah i i agree right i agree for sure So the
1: fact that he goes back to normal, there are no signs of mental illness. There are no signs of trauma. There are no signs. In fact, after the exorcism, his parents report that he has a much healthier outlook on the death of his aunt. Hmm. That he's sort of like turned a corner in the grieving process. Maybe he was still
0: secretly trying to contact her and actually getting some activity. And so he's like, all right, cool, cool, cool.
1: Right. But that's, that's a weird thing, to because if he was actually there, if he was the one being prayed at and fucking held down and all that shit that would fuck a kid up, if that was him, he'd be fucked up. And that's not the kind yeah. of trauma you just shake off. Yeah, no, that's, that's like, true, that's true. So it leads you to believe, like, maybe he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Maybe this really was some other, you know, some other entity that had taken over his body that was experiencing those events instead of him. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, especially if it was, you know, it was fully outward and not even, you know, like, uh, I mean, yeah, he's technically still in there, right? Yeah. But this thing is fully taken control then.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. The family returns to the East Coast after he, after he comes out of the, the hospital. Yeah. Um, and, later when bladdy the guy who wrote the book and adapted it for the screenplay um he reached out to father bodern um just to get a quote basically yeah and the priest wrote him back and he basically he asked if he knew if the story was real like is this shit real? right um and the priest wrote back i had no doubt about it then i have no doubt about it now what was in that room was the otherworldly force that we call the devil. I mean,
0: I I would probably agree. Yeah. I mean, from what from what you know, what we can you know obviously kind of theorize and you know sure. kind of sum up. Yeah, I mean, it sounds Man, this is a conversation that I go back and forth from and I always feel like bad because like I feel like I'm hypocritical of myself. Sure. Being that like do i believe in that most most of the time no but do i believe in some true evil yeah of course some force some force right demons maybe not but on the other hand if i believe in true or ancient evil maybe so like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's hard to like it's hard to kind of piece it together yeah um you know but something like something like that especially i mean if I if I ever witnessed something like that I'd probably have no doubt about it. You yeah. know.
1: I think a lot of people have that experience. Like personally my own mother is convinced that she saw a demon in her own bedroom when she was like 16. Yeah. And ever since then she I mean she believes in in true evil. Yeah. That it exists. You know what I mean? She she thinks she saw it. So that's and you can't argue with people like that if you've had the experience you've had the experience and that that is what it is to you you know and and
0: i've had experiences you know similar and and you know similar to kind of with that like with shadow shadow people and stuff right yeah yeah but i've even seen like a shadow person with like red eyes which i would associate as some form of evil sure um whether or not it was real or whether or not it was my mind or you know and conversation i've recently had about that like you know maybe it's the fact that i've always loved horror so that's where my mind instantly goes sure so it fills in those those gaps with that you know that being like the kind of the ultimate like place for that to go um yeah
1: there are a lot of horror archetypes going on in your mind all the time right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so yeah they get played out on what you experience
0: that's true that's true yeah so yeah it's it's hard to say it's hard to say but like you know given given this case and stuff i mean there's a there's a lot that's unexplainable for sure
1: yeah absolutely i mean all that is to say that's if you believe the reports by the priests you know what i mean because that's what a lot of this is based on is their reports Yeah. Uh, yeah. so i don't know how exaggerated any of those could be i don't know how course. you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's always room for that
0: i uh i recently watched the pope's exorcist which, if you haven't seen it, absolutely should.
1: I've had like a dozen people recommend that to it's me in the last month. Absolutely fantastic, yeah.
0: Um, but after watching it, I did a deep dive into the priest because he was a direct priest of the Pope. Yeah, um, and he went on to write all about like his his lifetime dealing with exorcisms and stuff like that. Um, like this was the guy who took the Pope's confession, his confessions.
1: Like, um, like he was his priest. Yeah, he was. He was his priest. Yes. Right. So he would have been the one that the pope goes I, to I for confessionals. The, that would be and, true, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's a position.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, he was direct direct report of the pope, and like oversaw a lot of yeah. these uh, a lot of these exorcisms, and he wrote about a lot of them. And I I actually have like the whole set of all the books he's he's written uh, ordered right now. because i want to start to i want to start to dive into them just i mean like that i feel like would be really cool to to learn yeah you know and and also for science (laughs) everything for (laughs) science um all this to
1: say if you enjoyed this episode get stoked because more possession episodes are to come
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know hopefully have some knowledge of like some of his past cases and yeah talk about some of those which i think would be really cool but that the would movie, be cool. The Pope's Exorcist, is loosely based on Father Gabriella Morris. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, it's loosely based on, um, well, to an extent, it's a f- fictionalized story. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, absolutely, stupid, stupid, good. Um, awesome. So yeah, if you want to see is it, it like, what, what is it on? It's actually on Netflix. They just put it out on Netflix. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. It was, I mean, it it was in theaters a while back and everything, but uh, yeah. Now they they just added it to Netflix, and I hadn't caught it yet, and I had been meaning to for a while. And so as soon as they put it on, I was like, "Oh shit, sweet!" But worth. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah,
1: yeah, especially Uh, talking
0: about you know exorcisms and stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this case sort of throws me for a loop. Yeah, I don't like you. I don't really know what to what to think about it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's i'm conflicted honestly i mean the catholic church if you consider them a reliable source at all um according to them like they consider this case to be one of the most convincing cases of demonic possession ever like in the last 300 years yeah
0: um so and again how much they're pretty fucking convinced the catholic church and yeah you know take (laughs) take what they say at (laughs) I guess face value, you know, whatever. Yeah. I
1: don't recommend that for anyone. (laughs)
0: exactly. (laughs) But I mean, like this is also a different side of that versus some of the goings on and the, yeah.
1: Yeah. We all know the main problem with the Catholic church. I mean, of course we all, it's not something any of us like to talk about, but we're all aware of, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of reports of cases of the Catholic Church doing the exact opposite of what a church should be doing. Yeah. Right? It's so it is hard. It's it's hard to to see anything from them and think like that's reliable or that's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's part of my struggle with this. Um but another another part of me says like it's always weird because I think of paranormal experiences as being very personal, right? Yeah. Like that person is experiencing what they need to experience in that moment to, to get a message across to them or to get them through something or to uh, encourage them to do something. You know what I mean? Like it's a personal communication. I feel between the experiencer and the universe, the other, the phenomena, whatever you want to call it. So it's always weird for me in these cases where I mean, four people are in this room at Alexian Brothers Hospital and they're all witnessing from their own individual perspective this unexplainable phenomenon. Yeah. Right? So it's strange to me when it when it happens like that, where it's a group of people who all need to have this experience. See? From you know, from their own perspective. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah. It's it not that any of it feels commonplace or likely when it comes to paranormal experiences but it it stretches my idea mm-hmm. of you know what i mean like it's a little tougher to wrap my mind around a situation like that yeah
0: no i agree i agree i, I think that's that's kind of how how i look at it too yeah. um you know i mean it's very hard to kind of just rationalize and just really yeah. put like a solid thought to it so
1: yeah it's my like my theory on the stuff, the one I work from mostly, um, works better in those situations where two people see something and they describe it differently. You know what I mean? Like they each have an individual experience. It right. might happen at the same time, but it's very different and individual. But these are like three priests all saying sure the same shit happened. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, Barbara from Seven Degrees of John Keel. Um, podcast she talked about seeing a ufo when she was a kid and she's with her mom and her mom sees like she's walking and her mom points up through some tree branches and she's like look at that huge red bird like that's there are no birds it's, it looks like a cardinal but it's like twice the size of a, yeah. that a cardinal would be and she's like fascinated by this big bird but when barbara looks up all she sees is a fucking ufo yeah in the sky that's fair like that's fair you know what i mean it's like two very different experiences but both bizarre mm-hmm. right and that those make sense to me but these where it's fully shared it's it's weird Agreed. it's weird to me and I, I don't know i don't i don't know how to explain it or how to make sense of yeah. it
0: that's that's why yeah. i want to i want to read a lot more of the of these stories i mean I mean, yeah. possession cases are always very like fascinating, for sure. For um, sure, you know, and just it, and how different, but yet similar they all are. Yeah, is uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's very very interesting for sure.
1: Yeah, I I tend to like them because I haven't had a great experience researching them. This one was cool. Like I mentioned at the beginning, like I was I was okay through this. Yeah, no nightmares, no freak outs whatever. But like. I generally like, I generally like possession stories because it feels to me like where paranormal and true crime kind of bump up against each other, you know, because it's a very personal human story Mm -hmm. about like a family, a boy, a girl, whatever. Like it's, but it's, it's obviously it's paranormal as (laughs) fuck, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I am not even going to try to like theorize that about what went on. Shirts. I don't paranormal as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Um I bet we'd sell quite a few I of those so. actually. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I'm, I'm not even going to try to like figure out what what happened to this boy. I know like I'm convinced that some weird shit went on. You know what I yeah, mean? Agreed. I don't I don't know what it was. I don't and luckily tough, the boy man. survived you know what i mean yeah because a lot of there are plenty of stories of exorcisms gone wrong where, where that's not the case yeah and absolutely if
0: everything about this is true we went on to live a yeah most likely happier successful life
1: yeah absolutely and that's that's cool happy yeah, ending agreed yeah i'm into that it's could
0: be a disney story <laughs>
1: best disney movie ever <laughs> better than pirates of the caribbean
0: <laughs> you know i liked the first one shit i liked the third one i not remember the third one
1: i was cool the third one was the one with uh what's her face the the like the girl that lived in the jungle the like witch that had like the cabin in the in the jungle and
0: don't remember that one Whatever.
1: yeah I, I don't remember a ton of it it's the one where they do like the, they have the big pirate conference and the what's her face the main girl becomes like the new leader Maybe of all the pirates yeah i recommend it it's fun they got sillier as they go of course they did Yeah, yeah yeah which is which is cool um anyway yep yep and that concludes episode 113 the exorcism of roland doe thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening
0: rate and review it it's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose the strange and unsettling
1: and a special thanks to greg martin at reverent music on instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief you can find more of his tunes at reverbnation.com slash reverent it's fantastic fantastic stuff go give that a listen and that's it until next
0: time i'm ryan i'm jordan And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.